Samsung packed in a lot of new features and lowered the price on both its Galaxy Z Fold 3 and Z Flip 3 foldable phones, but is it enough to justify that still lofty price point? I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me is Patrick Collin, who's had a chance to play with both phones for about two days now. So first off, Galaxy Z Fold 3 or Flip 3, which do you prefer? Um, I prefer the Flip 3, but I would also say that you're asking someone, what do you prefer, a two-seat convertible or a, like a, a Range Rover SUV? It's like, well, they're both pretty nice. And for different people or different occasions, um, sometimes you want to have the convertible and sometimes you want the comfort and uh, you know the space of uh, a Range Rover. And I think this is a good metaphor for these phones. But personally, the one I'm drawn to without even thinking about it, without even thinking about price, I'm not drawn to the flip. I like the idea of small phones, I like the idea of folding what seems like a regular phone in half. All right, so let's let's start with the Flip 3 then. Wait, can I ask you what which one, I mean, I know you haven't played with these two in particular, but which one appeals to you? Which one are you thinking like, oh, I kinda of like that one, uh, or I don't? I would, if I were to, and I, and I don't have a foldable phone, but if I were to buy one, I would probably opt for the Fold for maximum screen. Um, th that said, uh, I'm also speaking from the perspective of someone who just has been working from home and staying home constantly. I don't know if I'd want such a bulky item in my pocket as I'm moving around a lot. I think post-pandemic Roger might prefer the flip, but it's unclear at this point. So with that, let's let's talk about the flip because that's the one you're instinctively going towards. Um, this is the, the flip three, even though there wasn't a flip two, but... Want to ask you how is it different from previous iterations? What makes it better? Or what's what's changed from those that prior device? Yeah, and real quick, I could address the generation thing. So I do think, in our terms, like Roger and Patrick and CNET terms, this is like a second generation device. But this is the third version of the flip. We had the flip, the Z Flip Five G, which basically was exactly as the same first one, except it had Five G a new processor and it wasn't, it didn't have that slippery thing that made it fall off tables by itself. And then we have this one, which is it, it's uh, for all sakes and purposes. If I put the original flip and this one next to each other, they're the same size, the same weight. Uh, but that's where the differences uh, stop. Uh, if you look at the new flip, the biggest difference on the front of it or on the outside of it, I'd say, cause there's not really a front and back. If you think about it is the cover screen. So on the original flip, they had this, minimalist. It's kind of cool when you see it from afar. It's like, oh, wow, that's so cool. It's like it's a little pill-sized um, and pill-shaped uh, screen. It told the time really well, told you the battery level, but oftentimes you'd have like a notification on there. So it could be like, you could send me a message, Roger, and it might say, Patrick, help, I need, and it's like, dot, dot, dot. Like, what does he need? Like, I can't, you know, and then you're like fumbling to open your phone. Like, I need more ice cream for the punch party that we had. I don't know why this is a horrible example. Um, but if I'm on this new flip, I could read the whole, the whole message like, oh, he just needs more ice cream. I don't need to panic. Why would Roger be sending me a message anyway, if you think about that? In scenario? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also on the front of the screen, um, I'm, a, I, I'm a big fan of Motorola's, uh, the way they do the Razer, yep. which is another foldable phone. And they have this thing called quick view display. Um, and for a lack of a better description, you have access to almost anything and everything including responses. So this Z Flip 3 is a nice in-between and it's a nice balance. It's not too much, but I can still read my messages and see the weather. Got it. And I mean, that's clearly an improvement, that, that display. Mm -hmm. Anything else about the phone you like? Any features that are worth talking about? Yeah, we have an ultra-wide and a wide camera on it now. That's really nice. But here's the thing, and I'm working on describing it. Um, 
it's a feeling. And when we talk about feelings, it's hard because my feelings might be different than yours. But when you pick up or when I, I've been using the original Z Flip for what, about a year and 10 months now. I mean, it's been a long time. It's like the phone I go back to for Android when I'm in between reviews. But I'm always aware of its parts. I'm aware that there's a screen that's folding and moving. I'm aware yeah. of the hinge. Yeah. When I pick up this new phone, I don't, it feels like a, it feels uniform. It feels complete. It feels like one thing. I don't see the individual parts. And maybe it's just because of how it's been refined. And Samsung has this thing called Armor Aluminum marketing. Um, but beyond the, the weird name, what it's nice about it is it's, um, stronger it's more they say it's more durable i mean in my testing it seems that way i don't have like an industrial laboratory to test such a thing but just in use it doesn't feel more dense it just feels more uniform and i know that's not the sexiest way to sell a phone but honestly it's a good thing no i i get that because i mean i've handled other foldables and i mean the razor you mentioned was one i i spent a lot of time on and I did feel like as I was opening and closing these things, like you are very conscious of all the parts that are, and initially mm. I felt like that was part of the selling point. Like I look at all the little components that we put in to make this thing work, <laughs> but you were very conscious and, and thus a little fearful of those parts potentially breaking down. I think that's one aspect Samsung really shored up and they made a lot, they spent a lot of time talking about the the idea of how they, they, they added some features that made this more durable than previous iterations, right? Yeah, and it's um, the feature on the feature set we have. I won't get too technical with it. I mean, we could, but the hinge has been improved. The uh, that metal that I was telling you about strengthens the body. I forget the exact percent, but everything was like ten percent, twenty percent. There is a protective film on the screen now that's eighty percent more durable. It's thirty percent more durable than the original flip. So. Um, all those little things, and that's going to be even more the case when we talk about the fold, all those little things add up to a much more rounded phone. And that's why when you pick these things up and you see the price of like uh, the particular uh, phone, the Z Flip 3, is $1,000 in the US. That is not a cheap phone, but that is not $1,450 that the Flip 5G was. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm greeted with a price. And I'm greeted with a phone that um, if someone did buy this to, instead of a, I'm trying to think what else it cost, like an S21 plus, or even an iPhone 12 pro that costs a thousand dollars. They're getting a phone that um, in my experience, after two days, uh, I laugh because it's, it's not long enough to, to recommend it, but it does seem more like on that level of phone. Yeah. Does you, that make sense? That, no, no, totally. And, you make that point, you know, that $1,000 is potentially affordable for the masses. And I'm curious about that phrase. Do you think that this is something that the masses will want to take a chance on right now or or not? Well, being the trendsetter that I, I am, um, <laughs> I am not a trendsetter, but I think Samsung wants this to be the foldable phone for the masses. And that's where I, I got that headline for this because the way they're marketing, I, I think, what did I say? I, I think, I can't remember who I said this to if I wrote it down. It's been a long couple of days. Um, but I would say this, there's three things that makes it in my eyes um, that Samsung's like, this is the foldable for masses. One is the price. $1,000 is very affordable for a foldable phone. It's not very affordable for a normal phone. <laughs> um, let's just acknowledge that. Right. But yeah, it almost dropped basically $450 within less than a year. Yeah. So there's something going on there. That's the huge. second thing is when you see 
a phone or any technology come out and there are, there are more than three colors, this phone comes in seven different colors. That's a lot of colors. That's a lot of different SKUs. So that's the other thing that tells me Samsung wants, oh, you like purple? We got that. You want cream color? We got that. You want black? We got that. Um, and then the last part of that is, uh, goes back to that durability and that that fit and finish, that it does feel like a whole thing versus more of an experiment, which I think the first two felt more like an experiment. Right. Well, let's... let's not spend all of our time on the flip, though. I know that's, that's your preferred <laughs> We really one. could. We really the could. The Fold 3 is the other one. That's This is the expensive one. This is the more aspirational device. What did you think about the Fold 3? Okay, uh, Roger. So you said something earlier where you're like, oh, it's, uh, post-pandemic, Roger might not feel that way. Um, and not to get too technical with what I do in my life, but uh, I like to go for a bike ride in the morning. And, you know, usually I'm not wearing like, um, uh, like, cargo pants or I don't have pockets sometimes on my bike shorts. Um, but I had this thing, I had a little side pocket on, on my bike short. And I'm like, Oh, let's see what happens. I'll throw it in And you know what? It was fine. <laughs> the full, the full three was fine. It was fine. Um, right. I was joking with someone at a cap cause you, you have something like this. And as soon as you open it up, it's like, well, what is, you know, like it just, you want to have a conversation starter. Maybe this is not, maybe during a pandemic is not the time to want people to gravitate toward you. But uh, what I was going to say was you have this giant screen and um, again, not to get too technical with a bike ride, but a lot of times people mount their phone on their bike. And I was just imagining, imagine having this fold open mounted on a bike. It would look so ridiculous. It would, but I would love the, the larger screen real estate for sure. Although I would probably crash. I would I'm absolutely saying, crash. Yeah, if you crash, yeah. yeah, there goes your bike. And let's well, say your bike's a thousand dollars, and this is you're out a lot of money there. So you bring up a really good point. You know, you know, you you showed this off to someone. My, my contention is the the true killer app for foldables is not the bigger screen or the the in screen display camera. It's like the fact that you can flex with the latest and greatest. The fact that it's a conversation starter. That is, you you're you're buying this. If you are a per type of person who buys a foldable phone, you're you're the type of person who wants to show this foldable phone off. It's the same person who buys like a Porsche, right? And so at least right now, because from from a from a sort of like a, a practical purpose, we don't really have a lot of applications that take advantage of it. So. There, the, the big thing is like, I, I want this as a conversation piece. And my contention has been the enthusiasm for these phones has been kind of iffy because of the, the current environment that we're in. Because we don't want to necessarily start a conversation with a stranger. We don't want to show these phones off yet because we don't want to get near other people. And so, and like, I feel like if we had not been in this pandemic, the, these phones would have taken off a little bit better. Like you'd have more trendsetters or influencers rocking these things in public because they could show them off to other people. But right now, it just doesn't seem like it's the right time for that. And when you're a phone reviewer, you don't want anyone coming to see your phone because half the time you're under an NDA. That's so you're like, true. So I, if I'm paying for coffee and the front and the, you can, there's like a front screen on it called a cover screen. And, you know, I try to keep it closed and uh, if you, you could use Google Pay on it, by the way, which is kind of cool. But if you use Google Pay, you have to open the app, right? And I didn't have the app set up, set up, like fold it open. It was like, and it's like a record skipped, you know, like, right? You know, like, what is this guy doing? You know, and like, you have to, then people like, can I hold it? You have to, it's like a whole thing. And um, that is that, I think part of it, I think the other part is, uh, and uh, um, I'm assigning myself a commentary on, on the podcast here, uh, is we talk a lot about like Apple, like is Apple going to make a foldable phone? Are they going to do something? And I feel the difference between Samsung, what they're doing and Apple is the solution to a problem. Apple likes to phrase it or market things as like, hey, 
there are phones, we solve the problem of a phone or we solve the problem of this. Whereas I think Samsung's like, hey, we have this really cool technology and what does a foldable phone solve? And we can get very like philosophical about it on one level. And I think that goes back to your question, like which one do you prefer, the flip or the fold? I like a phone that folds down to something smaller. You like a phone that folds into something bigger. And I think right there is, is fundamentally the difference between the two phones. And I know it seems so obvious, like, duh, but I, I realize that. But it, if you're going to spend $1,000 on anything, is it solving a problem that really needs to be solved? And I think that's been the other tough sell with the foldables is people are comfortable with the size of the phone or, or, or the way they, they have them. Just like we were comfortable with flip phones 10, 15 years ago, you know, and when they dropped that they would shatter into four pieces and you put the four pieces back together. That was normal. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like I think Samsung tried to make the case that, you know, some apps are starting to take advantage of the dual screen or the larger screen real estate, but we're really in the early, early, early stages of this. Like I would like to think that there will be apps that more smartly take advantage of the additional screen real estate or the fact that it can fold or flip. Um, but we're not there yet. Right. So that, that's we're not. And even with Samsung's own apps and uh, I'm picking on this one app because I've talked about it for over a year now. So Samsung has their, there's like Google photos on a, on a Samsung phone, but you also have Samsung's version called gallery. Right. Um, so if I have it in what's called flex mode, so I can have either the flip or the fold where it's half open, kind of like a mini laptop is what I call it. And what that does is if I'm in the gallery app, it puts the photos on the top half and then I can use the bottom half and kind of swipe through. Then here's, here's the problem. Let's say I'm like, oh, I love this picture of Roger, but there's like, you know, this weird thing in the background. I want to crop it out. I hit the edit button. What happens to that photo? Does it stay up there and do tools appear in the bottom? You're like, this is amazing. No, that does not happen. Instead, what happens is the photo goes to the center of the screen. So now you have your photo where it's half bent and you're like, what? So even with Samsung's own apps, and I know gal the gallery app is not going to be like the, you know, the reason to get this phone, but even on those basic ones, they need to, they still need to figure that out. Yeah. Speaking of photos, you, I mean, one thing we want to talk, I want to talk about is the camera, the in-display camera. Cause that's, I mean, it's a relative first, a bunch of Chinese handset makers have put those in their phones, but at least in the U S market, like having a phone embedded under the display, how does that work? And does it make a difference or do you notice it? I, I'm, I'm curious about it. That's a great question. And I'm trying, I wonder, I'm like, I feel like I'm trying to be like Neil deGrasse Tyson explaining these, these concepts, but I think part of it is what is, again, it's the problem. What does that solve, right? If you put a camera under a screen, the first thing that solves is something you're not even aware of where it's been a while since I've seen a phone that doesn't have a notch in it, that doesn't have a hole cut in it. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're looking at this fold when it's open, you're like, oh, it's just, there's just something really nice about that aesthetic. There's no interruptions. So the camera, which is called under display camera, aptly named, is only four megapixels. And the reason it has such a low um, pixel count is the fact that it has to go through those screen elements. Um, I've posted a few photos of me taking just a selfie inside and I would say medium to low light and then ones outdoors and they're heavily processed. And that's the only way Samsung is able to uh, pull things back to a normal quality. Now on the front of the phone, you have this a regular selfie camera. So um, Samsung tells me that the under display camera is more for video chats. So uh, this weekend is something I'm looking forward to doing video chats and seeing if people even know that I'm under the screen. 
Well, it'll be interesting to get your results from that. Patrick, thank you for your time. You can check out our full Samsung coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.